Thanks so much for joining us for Faith in Four Letter Words, where we take an unapologetically real look at surviving the boys' club, perfect poly, and motherhood, all while living in the glass fishbowl. I'm Amanda Goodman. Tara is still enjoying her sabbatical as she transitioned into her new career. I have two special guests back with me again. We're talking everything about youth sports, soccer. They are professional soccer coaches. We have Kyle Nelson. He is the executive director at Cedar Valley Soccer Club, and Chris Rennie. Chris, what is your new title? Do we have a, a title? I, think I mean, the, like the title that fall under, you know, I badass. I, I mean, like, is that what we, we can, can call we can you? Throw that out there. Um, so I think I'm going to be the youth director at the club. Love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, titles are always overrated, right? Yeah, I, I just want to be Many impactful. Hats. I just want to impact the kids. So. My title is, you know, HBIC, and everybody, everyone <laughs> listening, they know exactly. Um, uh, that's that, four. That's four letters, right? It's that's four letters, four <laughs> letter words. Yeah, and you guys know me, especially Kyle. You know me, so you know that I am um, an avid user of the four letter words. But you know, I'm glad you're here because all of our listeners, you know, most of them are women. We have some men. There are also some surveillance cameras that kind of watch. They kind of hate listen. They, you know, I tell everybody. Some people hate listen this. Like I hate watch. You know, the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not looking for anybody <laughs> to win. I want to see them lose. So, um, but a lot of moms that uh, watch this. So. Obviously, moms, we are um, the kind of the neck of the household. We're running the mom taxis. We're going to the sports. We're signing up. We're, you know, kids for, for sports. And um, it's, a, it's a big deal. You know, we talked about it a little bit a, a little bit ago. You were, you were mentioning, Kyle, that, you know, youth sports has really become a business. Um, so before we segue into what we're really going to talk about today, how do you make sure that your kid is getting the proper, you know, great coaching, learning the fundamentals, learning the game, whether it's soccer, whatever you're having, and it's not really just a business trying to make money because you're not a business, you're a nonprofit. So technically you're not making any money. <laughs> just enough. Just Keep enough, Keep the lights right? on, right? That's right. No, I mean, I, th I think, you know, we, um, with, with youth sports, it's been monetized and publicized and there's just so many millions and billions of dollars in youth sports now and it drives up the costs of everything, tournaments, registrations, and 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 trying to pay for the next biggest thing right um but you know with, with what we're trying to do i mean we're we're a small local iowa club right mm -hmm. um and you know our our fees are you know probably some of the cheapest in the state of iowa when it comes to competitive soccer and we we offer just as much if not more um, because we are blessed to have a great facility that doesn't you know cost a ton of money for us we got a great group of staff that you know work really hard for us um but ultimately, especially with youth soccer, it's 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 really breaking it down to the technical piece, right? And how do you pass a ball? You know, how do you dribble a ball? And then it comes down to the decisions that you make. So, you know, you can be a great juggler of a ball, right? You can do a thousand juggles in a row, but if you can't make the right decision when someone's chasing you, you know, you can't pass pass a ball when someone's chasing you. It doesn't really matter how great you are with the ball. So there's got to be a blend of both, right? Right. There's got to be a blend of technique and then the decision decision making component, which is tactical tactics, right? When that word tactics, you know, um, but it, it really is putting kids in a situation where they're going to be uncomfortable and they're going to make mistakes because the best way to learn is to fail. Right. Best way to learn is to 100%. fail. Yeah. Right. I have to I have to pose this question and you can you can opt out not to answer it because I know it may put you in a difficult position because, you know, for instance, under Cedar Valley Soccer Club, it's very unique in the, the fact that it's the only, um, you know, club soccer in the area that also has a rec program underneath the whole umbrella. OK, so 
I have a lot of friends, and they know who I'm talking about right now, um, who their kids play rec soccer. And they score 10, 11 goals. And that's a lot of running and shooting. So they'll go to a club soccer game, and it's, you know, 3-2 or 0-0. I mean, there, or there, no score at, at all. Is there, from a professional, Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> is there a it's difference from, you know, Larry, your next-door neighbor, coaching the soccer team? Mm-hmm. Versus a professional coach. Is there a difference between the technique and the kids on the field? Not the level of talent. We're not talking about the level of talent. So don't get all upset if I'm not talking about little Billy at home. But is there a difference? Absolutely. I think we're trying to create a culture here that will take, that's going to, that will evolve. So you're not going to see potentially your results tomorrow. Now, if it, we were based on our success on results, then yeah, 100% we could tell our goalkeepers and defenders, get the ball, play it big to the forward, and we'll just keep playing that way. But at the end of the day, we're only developing two players when we do that. Um, and then you've got 10 other kids that are standing around watching it and having very zero impact. So your child might be one of those 10 kids. Your team might be doing great and winning every game, but are they getting better as a soccer player? So we want to try and develop the whole collective so that everybody's growing, everybody's getting better. Um, and when you do that, that maybe means you are putting them in situations where they might not win or they might make mistakes. Um, but where we're at in youth soccer is, especially in those younger years, we're not focused on the results. We're more focused on the performance and what they're doing and are we seeing the growth. Um, now as they get towards the end of their soccer career, that's when maybe that becomes a little bit more prevalent that we want to see the results. But hopefully if we've done our job as coaches in those earlier years, we've developed everybody and then those results will they'll come. Because so. natural ability wears out, yeah, right? 100%. So you may be the fastest kid when you're six, seven, eight years old. By the time you're 13, everything else, you know, everything's changing about you. And so you're no longer the fastest, the strongest. And then then you have nothing else. You have no tech. You don't have technique. You don't have skill. Yep. But the sad thing is it's not even the kid's fault. It's the parent's fault because we are um, in a society that's obsessed with winning. Like How do you measure success, right? Right. With younger kids. And like Chris said, results results are easily measurable, right? In this country, every sport is more points, more points, more action, more everything. Whereas soccer, it's like, you know, zero zero one one three two, like really low scoring. And so we watch a game and any any chance around the 18, everyone's on their toes, like freaking out. And like, even though goals aren't scored, right? It's just training our brains a little bit to appreciate competitive, close opportunities and really cherish those opportunities to score goals, right? Mm -hmm. You might only get one a game, but the also, the cool thing about soccer is you can get absolutely dominated and still win. Mm -hmm. And the bad thing about it is you can get, you can absolutely dominate somebody and still lose. There's there's not very many activities where you could get either both of those spectrums and have that happen, right? I remember overhearing a parent, there was a, there was a game, Kyle, you were coaching and it was the U13 girls and they, they ended up losing. And Kyle, all, as all the parents are walking by, I remember you said to the, the the team, "That's the best I've ever seen you play." And I remember, you know, mom was like, "Well, well, we lost." And so some of the other parents who, you know, they chimed in. They're like, "No, they did. They stayed in formation. They played aggressive. They did their job." You know, it's it's really retraining the moms and dads who are standing on the sidelines. To it's not at at, at this age, you know, it's not the World Cup. These are young kids. They've got to learn the technique. They've got to learn the game. They have to learn all that stuff, right? I mean, I mean what do you want? Would you rather have your kid be super successful at seven, eight, nine, ten, <laughs> you know, and and, and and or be successful later in life, right. fifteen, sixteen, seventeen? And you know, I don't, I don't know a lot of people that go back and say, hey, I remember how good I was at 
9, 10, 11 years old. Look how many titles we won when I was 10 years old. Yep. You know, like those are the people you probably don't want in your circle, right? Right. But like, the, but when they get to that high school age and, you know, like CF Boys, for an example, a lot of those kids were, I believe, were our first dinos and our first academy kids, those set, those juniors and seniors. So they've been through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then, then CF Boys made the state tournament for the first time in 12 years. That's crazy. And, you know, are they going to remember how many games they won at 9, 10, 11, 12 or tournaments they won? Yep. Maybe, probably not, right. but they're sure as heck going to remember, you know, winning, you know, winning their sub-state and going to the state for the, going to state soccer for the first time in 12 years as 16, 17, 18 year olds, right? When do you decide? So if that's, that's, let's talk, you know, culture and, you know, parents and these athletes. So your kids playing rock soccer, they, they really look, when do you make that decision and why? So, so I'm not, it's not about necessarily a selling club, but there is a difference. So when do you make that decision? I think for me, so... I think going back to the previous question a little bit and then moving into this one, I would say the one thing that we see with US soccer is we're blessed with natural athletes. We have so many kids that are big, strong, fast, athletic, and we've seen that in the in the national teams as well. Um, but what our, our concern is, is that in those younger years, we're, we're focusing on that athleticism and maybe we are having a lot of success just because of that. Um, but then eventually, if we're not working on the, the technical components to their development, those kids become, other kids catch up, other kids grow, and then that athleticism piece goes away. But if you've solely relied on that, then you're gonna to start to fall away. And the concern is then those kids become frustrated because they can't do what they used to do mm -hmm. or not adapt to the environment. And then they drop out of soccer because it's, they're no longer getting the same successes that they used to have. So we want to put them in an environment where, yes, we can enhance those those areas of that athleticism, but we also want to make them better soccer players. So when that that time comes and other kids are growing and other kids are having growth spurts, then you're not just relying on that. You're still having your successes. You're still having your growth. Um, and I think that's really, really important. So why do you think it is? I feel like more parents are eager to put their kids in other club sports besides soccer. So there's that more that push to go to volleyball, club volleyball, club baseball. Um, you know, club softball, all those things. And then there's the, the hesitancy. Is it because it's not the traditional in the United States, the, you know, one of the four major sports to play? It's not, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we touched on a little bit in the last one, too. It's just, it's it's kind of unknown, right? Mm -hmm. Soccer's still very young in this country, right? It's not it's not something people have 100% grown up with. I mean, a lot of people didn't even have high, high school soccer when they grew up and stuff like that. But um, and and soccer is not televised and and publicized as much of these other activities and you know soccer players aren't making forty eight million dollars a year to play soccer whereas other af professional athletes are you know so there's so that's part of um, part of it as well. Um, I think but, the other part is parents aren't quite sure the differences between the levels too. So they might have their kid play rec soccer and then just keep them in it because they don't really know what that adjustment is or when there's an appropriate time to make adjustment more into a, a select soccer environment where they have a different type of environment. Um, and I think that's, I think that's on us too, to make, make sure that we educate the parents on what that differences look like and when those kids need that. Um, we're trying to look through our philosophy as a club right now, where we're looking at our youngest ages, probably our fours through eights is uh, sort of learn to play just l the love of the game really. So at that stage, yeah, the rec environment is perfect because mom and dad can run the practices or they can come to the club and we can create a fun environment. But we're not really teaching 
techniques or tactics at that age. We're just trying to grow a passion. No, no bicycle kicks at four, four, five. We can throw it out there maybe once in a while. It's, it's, it's a great. It makes a, a great point. So whether Chris and I are coaching a four or five year old, we could have the exact same impact as a parent coach, sure. because it is. It's about the kid and the kid having a good time and, and hopefully they're playing with the ball at practice, right? Right. Um, but we want them to come back. And then once they get into those those years of 9, 10, 11, 12, where they're a little bit more further along mentally and they can start understanding something, then we start to, to sway a little bit from me and the ball to me and a buddy and then me and a group of three. And then it starts to grow a little bit. But even... Even at nines and tens, I mean, your son was in our, our tens this year. They still swarm, right? They still, because mm -hmm. they, they want to chase, they want to compete, they want to play. Mm -hmm. And to tell a kid that you need to stay here and you need to stay, this structure is, is difficult for them. Right. But, it, you know, but that doesn't mean when the ball's out of play, we can't say, hey, get back into your shape. Oh yeah, hey, I got it, boom. Our starting right. positions are good. But when the ball's back in play, it just becomes play again. Crazy, right. And right. I think that's that big transition from that, learn to play. I think that learn to play is always going to be there, but I think it's so relevant in those youngest age groups. But once they get to 10 and 11, we're, we're still going to have that piece. But I think that's where we're going to see a difference in the environment from the recreation environment to the select environment is we're going to start to create a culture of learning to train. So starting to understand when they show up to practices, how they behave, what the, the technical components are, what the tactical components are that starts to maybe advance them a little bit more as soccer players. Um, and that's probably going to be their phase for those next three or four years. And then, like we said earlier, those results will then start to come as they're getting into those older ages where they're 15, 16, those high school ages. And then the environment changes more. It's a learn to compete because they want to start to see the results. Right. So we can't really put them in that environment when they're in the recreation environment because we can't really control that process where, as in the select environment, we can have that process when they start at four or five years old and they're just learning to play the game. And then we get them in those, that middle age group where they're they're learning to train. And then eventually, if we've done everything correctly, then now they're learning to compete as they're getting ready in their high school years to maybe see the results and have some of those successes. And that's, that's the big thing right now. I, I have a feeling that a lot of high school coaches around here, because they have the taste now of playoffs. A lot of local high schools made playoffs, right, this year. They did, did great. Had a great, did great really, spring. really, 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 really well. And the one thing the majority of them all had in, in common, they were all dominated or led by players who play in your select program. So they play, what, 10, 11 months out of the year? I'd say 10 and a half. And, and I would say, yeah, just kids kids that play more than two months a year. Right. And there's, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, not doing club soccer. But if you, you know, just like with anything, if you spend more time on something, you're going to get better. And we look at, you know, the teams that had success this year, in the Cedar Valley uh, that went to state, the Columbus boys and girls, CF boys, Waverly boys and girls, like a lot of their their players were club players, and and they 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 know how to compete at that highest level, and they, you know, they carry their teams and they have success, and and they represent their clubs well, whether it's Cedar Valley or another club, they're you know they're representing club soccer, and mm -hmm. those teams have success, right? Which is I, I'm assuming everybody wants success, right? Sure. We want our high school programs to be successful, so help let the club help you achieve that right so we've we've got great people in place we've got some local high school coaches joining our program as well because they they understand that you know if if they if we put time into these kids when they're younger it's going to benefit the high school programs down the road and and i say that with a grain of salt because everybody's busy yeah. right kids parents families you're busy you're doing so much stuff but if soccer is important to you 
and you want to be successful and you want to, you know, bring that opportunity to be, to, to go to state or have an opportunity to play to go to state, you know, at the high school level, your kid's got to play more than probably two months of the year. And do you have the conversation with your child to become soccer focused, soccer centric and make that your sport? Let's say you're, you know, you're, you know, you want to dominate in high school. You want to eventually go on to come play in college. You maybe want to go on beyond college, you know, um, do you tell you, do you, you make that decision or you have your child make that decision because it is, it does, it gets tricky, right? So kids can't, don't come to indoor cause they're doing basketball or they miss spring cause they're doing track. And I mean, it's a lot of choosing, but then is it choosing or would you label it as sacrificing? I think at those high school ages, I think that's when you're starting to make some of those decisions. You're starting to make some of those commitments that maybe you're not soccer specific, but maybe if that's your sport that you have the passion for, maybe that becomes a little bit more of a priority. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that you can't do other things. Um, but, you know, traditionally, I don't think it's a coincidence that these high school teams have had the success they've had this year. Um, traditionally, Iowa soccer has been one of the states that have always been behind a little bit. And a big part of that is players haven't had access to soccer year round. They've typically had a fall soccer and a spring soccer. So they're only playing six months out of the year. The other six months of the year, there's no soccer organized for them. So I think that's been the struggle. And I think now that we're in the environment where Cedar Valley has an indoor facility where the kids can mm-hmm. train all winter for three months. They have summer camps and things like that. So these kids now have exposure 12 months of the year if and should they want that. And I think now we're starting to see our, our club soccer in Iowa, but also the high school soccer in Iowa is, is growing massively. So, What do you attribute that to? Just your excellent leadership, correct? <laughs> you have yeah. changed it, though. You've I mean, changed it. Like it's, it's hopefully, hopefully, we're like Chris said at the beginning, changing a culture and trying to develop a cu- culture of of soccer players, right? And, and and really raise the standard of of soccer in Northeast Iowa, because it you know Northeast Iowa is kind of the forgotten area of the state when it comes to soccer, and even even Western Iowa as well. Um, so you know we're here. You know we're here to help. If you have questions or you want to talk about soccer, or you've got kids that are interested, what can we do to help you? Even if you're, you know, an hour north or two hours north, what can we do to help? You know, we've got, you know, we've got kids that come and play in our program from across the state because, you know, they just join us on weekends for games and things because they don't have access to a club, you know, so there's ways that we can help and get those kids a competitive soccer experience with our organization. And the cool thing about soccer, it's the only sport that all you need is a ball. Right. That's it. And nothing fan. Not you. Not thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Not no. you know. You just. You don't even have to speak the same language. No. We could get. What's... We could get eleven people from eleven different countries show up on a field, and the game is its own language. Right. Right. It's play. Yeah. Yeah. You play. That is, that, yeah. That is cool. When um as 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 far as high school, there's been kind of a competition. I mean, up until like I, I feel like recently in this past year or so, um, it was either you play club, or you play high school, but you can't have both. Why are the two necessary to go? Why is it so important for them to go hand in hand for the school and for the athlete? I think for for the for the school to have the kids in a structured environment where they again, like we go back to the piece where we're talking about, be very easy to just be results driven at those younger ages of we get the ball and play very direct. The problem is you're developing one or two players. So hopefully, when the kids are in the club environment, we're developing all the players. So by the time that they make that transition into high school soccer. One, they're playing a little bit more year-round because they have the environment of both. But two, I think now they're they're better versed in their abilities. So when they go into these programs, 
the high school coaches, they're kind of licking their lips a little bit because now they've got this pool of players that have been developed and now they've got massive resources and can help build their success. And maybe it's maybe once they're in high school, it's maybe a little bit more tactical and, and how they're approaching it. But hopefully the club coaches have helped develop them technically that they can be a resource and be successful on that environment. So Yeah, you're just trying to open the floodgates and kind of develop help them right, right help them if we if if we have support of the high schools and they're promoting club soccer then you know we get an opportunity to work with these kids for eight years before they get to the high school like that's great right and those high school coaches can you know they have to spend you know arguably less time going back through basic stuff and they can move on to a little bit more advanced stuff and right. progress their season um, you know, and I, I think, but I think the high school component's important, right? Playing for your, for your local high school is important. I'm from a small town where playing for your high school matters, right? Yeah. You see it with football. Sure. You know, like the people in the stands and, and representing your school and playing against your rival. And, you know, I, I wish we had more of that in the club environment, but our club games, it's, it's parents, right? right? Just sitting and watching their kids, which is great, but you don't have like kids from their, their classmates coming and watching their club game. So that environment's missing a little bit in the club spot. But mm -hmm. so I think they work off each other really well, right? The, they get, you know, really good instruction and learn how to play a certain way and play soccer in the club environment, get lots of reps, and then they can transition to the high school and, and take what they've, you know, learned, learn there and go into the high school experience, but then play in front of their classmates and their, and, and those, and all those people. And, and it's a big, deal it's a big environment right well i think it is a big deal i think people lose the sight of the fact that on their jerseys when they no matter where they play it says cedar valley yeah. so here are these kids from all these different schools that they're rivals you know during the school year but then they're playing together and they're playing for an entire region yep. that if that when people if people would break that down and be like damn that's kind of you know yeah i mean just to, cool. to look at like your daughter's team gia's team for example right like there's i think eight or nine communities represented mm -hmm. in just her yep. team yeah uh, and we think we've got 12 communities in, in the Cedar Valley and nine of them or maybe even 10 of them are represented just in that one team. Yeah. So it really is a it's, collection of players from Cedar Valley. Right. It's not Cedar Falls or Waterloo or just Hudson or whatever. It's kids from several different places coming together. Right. And I think especially small town people will understand this. Will understand this. It has no it, it does not matter what your name last name is. It doesn't matter if you, what donation you've made to the school or if you're on PTO or you're on the school board. It's like not, you know, you see that small town politics and even in the big in the big cities, you know, here in the Cedar Valley, you see it. And so sometimes people say, well, my kid doesn't play. That's not the case here when you're playing club soccer. Yeah, we see players. You're Cedar right. Valley. Yeah, that was one of the questions I had when I moved to the area is, so you're coaching it in Cedar Falls and Waterloo and are you going to live in Cedar Falls and Waterloo and I said well I don't really know I just want to find the right community for right. me and my family they're trying to but, recruit you into their community but I'm not really <laughs> trying to focus yeah. on one community we we're trying to look at a, a bigger community so I'm not just trying to focus my time and attention on one area it's we're trying to service 12 different areas there's that divide too right <laughs> and if you live in one you can't work there because you yeah. live here and you and vice versa it is that one so I ha I'm gonna I'm gonna I have to address this because I know you have been You've come under fire since you've been here, and I always feel sorry for you. And that's why I always tell you, I'm like, don't just don't say anything. Like, have them come through me, right? So, <laughs> you know, people will say, Cedar Valley, oh, it's pay to play. Oh, you take anybody, and you came and you had this philosophy, which I really liked because I was one of those parents that was like, no, not everybody should be on that field, right? Up until two years ago, when you said, if a kid comes and they want to learn the game of soccer, who am I to tell them that they cannot? And that has stuck with me, and it is a, such a powerful message. So, can you can you just address that? Um, 
you know, you're, you're having tryouts now and you may do cuts or you may do A and B, you haven't decided, but you, this has, you are literally putting the child and their love for the game before anything else. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough conversation to have, right? You know, I mean, our, ultimately our goal is to provide soccer for kids. And like I told you, you know, I mean, obviously we want our teams to be competitive and we want to attract the best players and put them in environment. But I also struggle with, well, this kid puts in the time, they show up for everything, they work really hard, but maybe they just aren't gifted athletically, but they do everything else right. Mm -hmm. So who are we to say, you know what, you don't deserve a chance to be in this group. Right. You know, now if, if it's a kid that, you know, has, you know, behavior issues or parents that have issues, like we can say, you know what, maybe it's not a good fit. But I think if there is, if it makes sense with a roster of kids and, you know, our, our soccer rosters, we can go up to 22. Right. And it's different than basketball. Like basketball, you can't have more than like eight people. Right. Right. On a team. So of course it's going to be a little bit more. And we can move kids between age groups up, down, left, Right. right, to make teams work and to, to be the best fit for those kids. And if we get more players, then we can put them in teams that are best appropriate for their level and, and their need, right? Um, so, but I, I very much struggle, you know, with the concept of cuts and, and, and telling players no and families no because you're not good enough. Well, it, it depends how old you are. It depends, you know, where you are because to tell an 11 or 12-year-old kid you're not good enough, they're not, they're not grown yet. Mm. They're going to be completely different people in two years. Um, and, you know... Those kids, if, if they if they check a lot of the boxes, why not give them a chance? You know, and I think we talked about a little beginning where in the United States we usually pick the biggest to the fastest. Right? right. We we look past the little guy or little gal who is scrappy, really good with the ball, but because they can't impact the game because of athleticism or speed, they get cut or they get overlooked and then we lose those kids. Could you imagine, you know, this is you know, like obviously the, the the glaring example is someone like Leo Messi, right? Super tiny little guy. Right. But could you imagine if someone said, you're too small? <laughs> no kidding. What happens, right? right. You know, so right. I think, you know, especially with younger players, even up until they're 13 or 14 years old, you just don't know what you're going to get. Especially th- those kids can come in and put in so much time and effort in a couple months and they, they'll surpass tons of people. But mm-hmm. I really think, you know, youth sports in general are, have become so competitive at the younger ages that, you know, we're not really helping. We're not really helping, like, our overall health as society, right, too. Right. And then really it doesn't have anything to do with the, the, the child. It's really kind of feeding the parent's ego. Um, you also have another new coach, Ollie, who's oh from boy. England, right? <laughs> do I say his name right? Am I saying his name right? Ollie, okay. yeah. Ollie, okay, because I've been calling him the wrong thing for a while now. <laughs> So uh, it was a couple weeks ago, there was a tournament and, you know, he's what, fresh out of England, right? Just came over in January, he was saying. So we take a golf cart, we go up to watch a game and um, it was a game there, eight-year-olds perhaps, and the parents on the sidelines were losing their mind. Like, I mean, and it it was just supposed to be a fun game. And I remember him, he he looked at me and he said, is this for real? He's like, does everybody act like this? And I'm like, <laughs> and then a parent that was sitting way back from the sidelines, she's like, sadly, yes, this is for real. Sometimes, like, this happens yeah. every single, you know, time. And it's, I have to wonder, you know, we, we circle back, but, but we're talking about, you know, if they're good enough, because there was a parent yelling, this kid shouldn't even be on the field. It's like an eight-year-old. Like it's, it's not the real game yet. They're that not, little kid they're not just heard that. Yeah, and then yeah. other little kids heard that. So now they think it's acceptable. I mean, do you, do you, do you like the philosophy that, you teach kids the game of soccer, you you don't cut, 
and yeah, you, you just never know how, how kids are going to develop, and right. you never know also what they're what they're going through too. Soccer could be a fantastic outlet for them. That's maybe an escape from everything else that's going on in their day to day. So, I think it would it would never be right for us to say we can't offer it and give them an environment that they can have a coach that cares about them, that can help them grow as people and grow as players. I don't think we should ever be in that type of space. So I, I always go back to, I think the comparison that I always look at when I look at this situation and like Kyle talked about cutting like a Lionel Messi, the one that stands right. out for me and it's probably so traditional because I'm Scottish <laughs> is um, Andy Robertson plays for, plays for Liverpool, plays in the English Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was a, when he was a teenager, he was cut by Celtic, which is one of the top clubs in Scotland. And he went to play part-time soccer. He was told he was too small, too frail, couldn't compete, wasn't going to cut it as a soccer player. So he worked for the Scottish Football Association, cleaning dressing rooms, um, cleaning the the streets outside, picking up the trash inside the stadiums, and did part time soccer. Scottish Rudy, right? And yes, yeah. <laughs> is the Scottish and made Rudy. made thirty bucks a week or whatever, covered probably his his gas to get to practice. Then two years later, he goes into a Scottish Championship team, does really really well. Gets a transfer down to England to a, another championship team. Does really well there for a couple of years. Then signs for the Champions of England. Wins a Champions League. Plays for Scotland now as the national team captain. And now he goes back to that national stadium that he used to pick up the trash and sweep. And they've got a billboard of his face on the front. <laughs> so talk about, like, that's, uh, so this that's is the insane. kid that was told that he was too small, wasn't good enough. And that's not to say that every kid's going to have that right. that adventure. But why not? Why not right. them, right? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You know, why not them, right? Well, I think of Michael Jordan, and it was, but I'm, you know, I think of Michael Jordan, get, Jordan getting cut when he was like what, 15, 16 years old, from the high school team, yep. and then you know, obviously he's Michael Jordan. So right. I mean, <laughs> but that is a good point. That is a good point, and 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 so it's the the thing is, I hope um, you posted something the other day on social media that was just you know talking about trusting the process, and it was, there was a woman. Um, her daughter, she was one of those parents. She was kind of like a Karen. Sorry to all my Karen friends out there. But, you know, she was said, you know, my kid, my daughter's team was losing all the time. She was only nine. And I was that she's like, I was that mom on the sidelines. She's like, now they all went on to end up playing co- like college soccer. Mm-hmm. And she says, the best thing that parent can do is stay out of it. And if it's, it's not your kid, it shouldn't involve you. So stop yeah. worrying about what other kids are doing on that yeah. field. I very, I very much struggle um, and I shut those people down. And when someone wants to talk about someone else's kid, I, I shut that down. It's, yeah. They can't defend themselves. The parents aren't here to defend them, their child. Like, come on, like, if you want to talk about your child, absolutely. And, um, and, 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 we, and when we look at this thing globally, Chris and I are very competitive. So we're not just saying, you know, we don't want to win and sure. we don't want to develop players and we don't want to put the, the best teams forward. But, you know, one or two players don't, destroy a team right and i think the the challenge we have is is obviously you know you've got your your top players and your your lower level players and you know we got to find a way to make sure because uh, if they play against each other that's not really good for either of them at no. the same time so we but that's our job as coaches is to manipulate the environment at practice or games to make sure that we bring that gap closer instead of just saying well we're going to get rid of this one because we don't want to coach we don't want to bring that gap closer coaching right. is it's easy to coach the best players, right? Yeah. It's really easy to coach those players. Your job as a coach is to bring the bottom players closer to the top players. That's where right. that's coaching. And right. the solution isn't we'll get rid of those players, in my opinion. It's bring those players close, bring them along, bring them closer into the group, right? And 
Um, so that's our challenge as coaches, right? Is to is to find that's that environment, that's right? Professionals, you know, that's why you're <laughs> right, professionals. Yeah. So I have to. I'll end with this. I have to ask you this: Do you ever have the conversation with the athlete or the parent? Like, this isn't for you. Do you ever have that convo? Very few. Okay. I think very few, and a lot of it, it really usually isn't based on their ability. It's usually commitment driven or attitude. Attitude, and you know, it, you know. They're not showing up for stuff or, or the parents are just, you know, constantly overbearing and doing stuff like, hey, you know what, maybe this isn't a good environment for you. Right. You know, but I, I I would very rarely say that there's kids that we've said, hey, it's not a good fit for you because of your ability. Right. Right. You know, that's that's very it's it, it happens. But I would say it's I could probably count the number of times on my hand, one hand. I think if you cut kids. If their parents gave you grief, I think you could solve. We could solve a lot of yeah. issues from the sidelines, right? Because I would say mo most of the cuts that we I've experienced and the clubs have let parents basically let the parents go. Yeah. You know, at the bigger clubs, it's usually like the kids are usually good, but you know the parents are. You know, we're just gonna let the kid go. Sorry, and that and that's it, terrible for the kid because they kind of get thrown into this thing. But you know, I, I would say we've we've released more parents than we've actually released players yeah i don't blame you for that because i don't you know, know how y'all do but, it but that also is probably for the good of the environment of the other the other children yeah. too it's like kyle said i don't think it's ever really been a an ability based thing on the child's part it's right. more maybe been more of a, a conflict with the parents on maybe how they've conducted themselves on the sidelines mm -hmm. or things like that and once we maybe puppet masters behind the scenes yeah Just or maybe contradicting toxicity mm -hmm. right never, yeah. never have a good thing to say about anybody and you know, yeah. if you're not happy, then, you know, maybe it isn't a good fit. Yeah. Right. And then I think sometimes then, then it benefits the group that way because there isn't that, that one individual that's, you know, kind of overbearing. Sometimes when that, that process happens, then you start to see the benefit to the group too. So Right. Well, thanks, guys, for being here. We're going to get you back in here in, in the next couple of weeks as well. And if you want your child, if your child loves soccer and they like to play, I would highly recommend Cedar Valley Soccer Club. Get them some professional training, and I can guarantee the parents will learn a little thing. <laughs> Just if you keep your mouth shut and your ears open, you'll learn some things too. <laughs> thanks again to Rock Gym out of Waterloo. Often imitate it, never duplicate it. They're actually going to be doing some strength and conditioning for the athletes at Cedar Valley Soccer Club. Um, so I know they have a very long ladder drill that I'm sure that all the kids will love so much. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. You guys have a great day.